This is tape number five of our eight-tape series, Bringing Good Out of Family Problems. So far, Dr. Hunter has discussed the effects on children, teenagers, young adults, and middle-agers, and how God's Word offers us hope and peace, as well as help and encouragement in bringing us through whatever we face in our everyday lives. In this message, Dr. Hunter will discuss the sometimes helpless feelings parents experience. The 15th chapter of Luke, verses 11 through 24, is the scripture text for this topic, the familiar story of the prodigal son. And from the New American Standard Bible, it reads as follows. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to be merry. And now, let's join Dr. Hunter for part five of Bringing Good Out of Family Problems. This message is entitled, Seeming Helpless as a Parent. Okay, and get as much to you in a short period of time as I can. Listen with your New York ears. Put away those Alabama ears and listen with your New York ears. Verse 11, And a certain, he said, And a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. It doesn't tell us how, but later on, the older brother kind of squeals some details, which is not uncharacteristic of older brothers. Verse 14, Now... When he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. And he went and he attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Not a good job for a good Jewish boy. And he was lodging to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses... I like the King James better. says, when he came to himself. I like that better. He said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. 
And he felt compassion for him, and he ran and embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to him, Slaves, bring quickly, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring a fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to make merry. I'm going to switch just slightly in those vulnerable areas of our lives where Satan can attack and fear can abound and switch it from a personal development aspect to a relational development aspect. And I want to talk first to you parents. I want to give you some encouragement when you're raising your kids and maybe a little instruction. First of all, I want you to know that it is universal for parenthood, that feeling of helplessness when your kid makes a wrong decision. There's no way to prevent it, but there is lots to do in light of it. From this scripture, the first thing I want to say to you is you're not nearly as helpless as you feel like you are. There's always something you can do. Let me tell you the two things that he did for his son. First of all, he gave his son his due. Whether or not he was going to squander it, he gave to that kid what was his. That is a very important lesson. I see so many parents withholding from children compliments or encouragement because they don't want their kids to get the big head. I would like to suggest to you one of the best things you can do for your kids, whether it's risky or not, it's biblical, is look at them and see the deposit that God has made in their life before they ever notice it. Ask yourself this question. What does my kid have? What does this kid have? that's far beyond what I'll ever have in that area. That will tell you right there what deposit God has put in their life. I have a kid who is more mature than I'll ever be. And he, when he was four years old, was more mature than I'll ever be. And I've told him that. And in some ways, it's irritating. In other ways, it's gratifying, but I want him to know that that's a gift that he has. That's a deposit of God that he has. That way of reasoned thinking, that way of delayed gratification, that I want him to know that. I have a kid who has more innate spiritual leadership ability and spiritual insight than I'll ever have. When he was a kid and we sat down with devotions and I'd say, Boys, what do you think this means? This kid would come up with the core meaning of that scripture in a way I hadn't seen it. I know that's his gift. I've got a kid who's got more brains in his little finger, literally, than I've got in my head. We sit down at the table, he says, Dad, let's do pundit squares. I don't even know what a pundit square is. He comes home from school and says, we had an oxymoron contest today. I only knew what an oxymoron was two years ago. It's amazing. And I know that every one of these gifts can be misused. But I want you to know how important it is to give to your children what God has deposited in their life in way of recognition. I want you to know that if your kid is kinder 
than you can ever imagine yourself being. I want you to tell them that because that's a gift. If your kid is more helpful than you see yourself, I want you to tell them that. That's a gift. Our kids need to have something that they can spend whether or not they squander it. Secondly, this father, while he was a long way off, looked at his son. Now, remember when your kids were in Little League? Remember when your kids were in T-ball and out in the outfield? There were two kinds of kids in the outfield. One, very rare, was there just waiting for that ball to be hit to him. See? He was in the game. He was thinking to himself, come on, hit the ball to me. Come on, hit the ball to me. The other one spent about one half of a minute saying, come on, hit the ball to me. And then they went like this. Looking for planes, looking for flowers, looking at the bugs, shaking the glove off, crawling around. Could I say to you that parents are like that? This father was available to his kid. He knew he wasn't the whole game. But he kept watching that road, kept saying, come on, I'm ready. Come to me. Come to me. Because I want to be a part of your life. Some parents think that parenthood availability is just, well, if you give me a call. You know, if the ball's hit and I hear people yell, yeah, I'll turn around, pick it up and throw it. That's not parenthood. Parenthood is constant vigilance where I can naturally be involved in a kid's life. And you know what that takes? That takes quantity time. It doesn't take quality time. It takes quantity time because you can never determine when that ball is going to be hit. Therefore, you've got to be around your kid in order to be available when that ball is hit. See? Very important. Now, let me quickly recognize that there are a few things that you can't help. You've got to stay out of. One of the things is you've got to recognize that every kid has a temperament of his own and you can't help what that temperament is. Most of us spend a good part of the first part of their lives trying to calm down excited kids and trying to pep up dull kids. It's true. Whatever their gift is, we try and lean the opposite way. We do that, by the way, as spouses also. You've got to realize a temperament is a temperament. You've got to realize, everybody, every temperament is a gift from God. You might say to yourself, oh, I bet that guy hoped that that younger son would be like his older son, who just kept, you know, typical older son, work, kept it, you know, kept it high achieving, very regular, very constant, you know. Bet he helped. I bet he didn't. I bet he recognized his younger, younger son for what he is. You've seen those families. Yeah, I, was, I saw a, a mom last week that had this... Little girl, perfect little girl. I mean compliant, beautiful, every hair in place. Mommy, can I help you? Mommy, can I love you? Mommy, can... And then her brother came along. (laughs) Holy cow! If you'd have taken this kid to a lake and tied a rope on his belt, you could have skied, never needing a boat. (laughs) I mean, he was all... And that's how my sister, my sister, three and a half years older, was perfect. She still is perfect. And my mother, bless her heart, thought, that's what children are like. I think I'll have another one. 
I was a real good argument for birth control before birth control ever got around. You know what? But my mother did not try to make me into my sister. She looked at me one day and said, Joey, you're either going to be a leader or you're going to explode. One of those two. (laughs) She saw that the temperament was a gift from God. She named it. Don't try to think you can change your kid's basic temperament. Name it and then pray for him. Pray for her. Please, I, I, I've got to quit now. But, but let, me, let me tell you that there are some things you can help and there are some things you can never help. But there isn't anything that God can't help. And that's where your emphasis needs to be. Your emphasis needs to be that God, number one, providentially is caring for your kid. Your confidence needs to be in Him. And you need to remember this, the promise of Scripture. James 5, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We are not righteous because of our goodness. We are righteous because of where we stand in Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that you can pray with authority for your children for the rest of their lives. And prayer isn't the least you can do for them. Prayer is the most you can do for them. I want you to trust God for the things you can't help and trust God for the things you can help. Because in doing that, you are doing the most any human being can do for another. Pray with me. God, faith... In the ultimate sense is everything we have. We pray for three things, though, this morning. First, we pray that you would give us an area of respect for our children. Help us to see in them the potential of who they are and to name it for them. Secondly, when they're away and undergoing the hurts that we cannot protect them from, whether they be normal or whether they be because of sin, Help us to trust in you. Not to chase after them, but to wait to see if they'll come back. And third, God, help us to pray for them every day. Help us to lift them up to you, to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, so that they will see ultimately how to come back to their Father's house and live with him forever. We pray in Jesus' name.